Good morning. So, you know, there's so many, there's so many teachings, and especially, <clears throat> especially the more um, abstract ones, the more esoteric ones, uh, that, that deal with sort of combinations of the letters and things like that, sometimes, um, sometimes it, we can get sort of lost, or, 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 or to put it, put it another way, amazed by how everything sort of falls into place, and then sometimes the actual basic lesson that's trying to be communicated doesn't always get communicated. So I know that in, in my own life, just it's, it's, in all Torah teachings, it's so important to go over uh, teachings again and again and again. And I know that when I do that, especially the more, um, sort of the more amazing ones, uh, again, that have to do with gamachas or whatever it is, to actually sort of like see past the pyrotechnics of it and actually hear the lesson that's being communicated. So what I want to do is go over one of my favorite teachings and maybe, maybe try to get a little bit more into what on the most simple level is actually being said. Because, um, because that's important, because that's what the, the Rebbe wanted to communicate to begin with. So... so um, so let's do that. Let's do that. You know, I, I, on that subject, well, we'll hold off on that thought. Okay, so, so, so let's begin uh, with this week's Parsha. It, it starts off, Ahaya Ekev. Um, and these two words, it, it means, it, it, you know, I'll read the Pasuk in English, and it will be because of your listening to these ordinances and you're observing and performing them, that Hashem your God will safeguard for you the covenant and the kindness that He swore to your forefathers. So in other words, God is making a very direct promise. If you keep the commandments, then you maintain this covenant, this unbreakable covenant, and, and these, these, these kindnesses will, um, will be safeguarded for you. Um, that Hashem swore to Abraham, Yitzhak, and Yaakov. So... So it's a, it's a very special Pasuk. And there's all sorts of amazing uh, interconnections um, between the letters here, just in the very beginning. Uh, Vahaya, we know, is a, is a very famous word in Torah. The Gemara says it means something connected with um, good tidings, good times, something very positive, happiness itself. Akev uh, means the heel. Um, and, and Rashi says something very interesting. He says that not just if you safeguard uh, the commandments in general, but that the Pasuk, by saying Ekev here, the heel is hinting out a certain type of mitzvahs. If you safeguard the mitzvahs that people usually step on with their heel. In other words, things that you've decided that aren't important, that aren't worthy of your devotional energy, are, are in fact... Very revered, because we don't really know like how God counts everything. We don't really know how the entire system works. Um, you know, in Gomorrah Sanhedrin, it talks about certain beliefs that a person has to have to make it into the next world. And, uh, for instance, resurrection of the dead, uh, a topic that doesn't really get a lot of play in most lectures in, in Jewish circles. But we believe in mass resurrection of the dead. It's, it's, really, 
it's quite a phenomenal thing. That's one of these tenets that actually is considered uh, a deal breaker, so to speak, as the Gomorrah puts it out, meaning to say that this is one of the things someone has to believe in order to have a share in the next world. And there's a, there's a bunch of them. And I heard Rabbi Tatz speak on this, and he said, how can it be, you know, a person leads a, a rich life in terms of observance and everything like that, how can it be that, say, if you don't believe a, a particular thing, that that could somehow impact you in such a significant way in terms of your, your, your ultimate destiny. So he was talking about how organically all of these things are tied together. So he says, imagine you have a human body and you're just missing one thing, the heart. So what's the big deal? It's just one thing. You know, so we see how, how there's really a, a system, a system, and everything connects with other things and they, they all work together. And so, so even the little things, if we don't step on the little things, then that's, then that's, that's very, very important. And, and great reward comes from that. Um, you know, there's another way to understand that. The heel doesn't just mean, it doesn't just mean the little things, the little mitzvahs that you step on, but the heel also means the end, as in the end of days. And we have a phrase, Ikvei de Mashiachai, which means the, the, the heel of Mashiach, meaning to say the end of days. And so another way to read this Pasuk is that Baha'ya, it's going to be good in the end of days if you listen to these commandments. You know, I always like to say it that, like, like they say in cop shows, like in terms of our end of days scenario, it's like they, they say, you know, we can do this the hard way or the easy way. You know, and, and the reality is, is that Mashiach, and the, the healing of the world, the ultimate fixing of the world, can happen really in one of two ways. It can happen in just this awesome, just rolling out, or it can happen with, with this apocalyptic type of war, Golgumagog, you know, just this, you know, with, with just basically the destruction um, that, 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 that a war like that can bring. So, so God willing, we get there in a, in, in a peaceful way. Um, so, so the way to get there in that peaceful way is that if we all become vessels that are able to hold this next sort of like quantum level of light that will come down into the world, then that transition can be smooth. If not, then that transition becomes very jarring and upsets the entire world because there's no vessels to hold the light. So how do you create vessels in order to hold the light of the next world coming into this world? And the answer is through mitzvah's observance, through observance of the mitzvahs. Now, now, Akev, the heel, also refers to the last generation before Mashiach comes. doesn't just mean the end as in the end of days time-wise, but it's also referring to the last generation. And the reason is because, you know, if you can imagine, if you can imagine the, the human body, the, the bottom of the human body is the heel. In fact, something, we talked about this a little bit yesterday, something 
amazing, I think, is that, is that when a person leaves a room, if you imagine this to be a doorway, when a person leaves a room, the very last thing that leaves the room is the heel of the person. So that heel signifies that transitional element from, from one stage to another stage. And so the heel also represents the last generation before Mashiach comes. And why the heel? Not just because it's last. And here you'll see this idea will tie in very nicely with, with, with the Rashi, meaning the things that we step on, the things that we, that we regard as small. Because um, uh, uh, physiologically, the heel is the least sensitive part of the body. Um, which makes sense that God structured it that way because you're walking on it all the time. Can you imagine if your heel were as sensitive as your eyeball? <laughs> what, what it would be every time you took a step, there would be excruciating consequences. So God in His wisdom designed the heel to be the least sensitive part of the body because, because that's what we're walking on all the time. It makes sense. But now, listen to the connection between that and the last generation. It also means that the last generation, on some level, will be the most spiritually insensitive. There there will be a lack of spiritual sensitivity that will be emblematic, representative of the last generation. Um, And we see that, that as the generations get further and further away, especially after we lost all of the tzaddikim in World War II and everything like that, we see that there is a, a, a plague of ignorance that, 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 that we're experiencing. And when there's no knowledge, there's no insight. And when there's no insight, there can be no sensitivity to what's going on. I heard from Rabbi Green that he says, I can't prove this. I can't prove it, but I just want to just tell you what I think. He says, I think when Shabbos comes, we actually enter into another world. You know, Shabbos itself, it's not like the other six days. It's made out of a completely different fabric of time and space, Shabbos is. Shabbos is a separate creation. So, so if you attune yourself to these things, you become sensitive. Ah, Shabbos. It's awesome. But, but it's very easy if someone doesn't know about these things, it's, it's another day of the week. Another set of 24 hours. How is it different from Tuesday? And there are countless examples of this. But there's actually a huge silver lining in this. Because it means to the degree that we sort of have as part of us, due to our generation, due, due to the length of time between us and, and the revelation at Mount Sinai and, and all the all the tribulations of the exile that we've gone through, this lack of spiritual sensitivity that, 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 that we live with, that's, that's in our bones, is a blessing on another account, because anything that we do is considered that much more exalted and that much more precious by God. There's a famous quote that the, that the Ari said to Reb... Chaim Vital, one of his, you know, his probably his greatest student, I guess. And and Rabbi Chaim Vital said, you know, you, you say such 
incredible things about me and about my soul and about how it's like, you know, greater, greater than, 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 than the sages of the Gomorrah. And, and, and you make all these comparisons. How can it be? Why do you say these things? And, and the Ari reportedly said back to him that, that the, the level of revelation of godliness back then was so much higher. And now this is hundreds of years ago that this was said. Right now it's, relatively speaking, so low. And yet you've accomplished all of these magnificent spiritual things in terms of your attachment to God. And you've been able to do it in an atmosphere which is so far f- removed from spirituality compared to our, our great ones of, in earlier in our history. That's why I exalt you like this. That's why I say the things to you like this. Now, if that was said hundreds of years ago, imagine our generation. So, going back to this Rashi, that it will be very good, Vahaya, remember, means very good. It's a, it's a Lushan of Simcha, of positive tidings. That if you are careful with the little things, so, 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 a generation, the last generation, which has a spiritual insensitivity built into it, if that generation is careful with the little things, how much more so will that lead to the ache of the end of days, the end of time? And how much more so will we create a vessel so that it can arrive in a beautiful way? Um, there's a... There's a, a, a Torah here from the Sassover Rebbe. He says something really beautiful. A different, a different approach to these words. He says, he says, you know, he says, before a person takes a step, before a person takes a step, remember this is talking about walking, that, that you know, but these great things will happen if you listen, if you listen to my word when you, when you, when you walk, when you step. And we talked about Akev, what all, all the or some of the different levels that that, that, that word implies. So, it, so the Sassover Rebbe says that, that here, I'll, I'll read it to you. I'm reading from a, a wonderful book called The Torah Treasury, from Art Scroll. I recommend it. <clears throat> um, Reb Moshe Lev Sassover offers a homiletic interpretation of this verse. Before a person takes a step in life, he must listen carefully to his heart, to be sure that his desire coincides with God's will. Thus the Sassover Rebbe renders the verse as follows, Bahaya Ekev, it shall be that when your heel is ready to take a step, Tishma'un, you must listen carefully to your heart to ensure that you are in consonance with, uh, with these ordinances. So this idea that, that every step a person takes, that they should that they should listen, they should listen to their heart before they take a step, before they take an action, and try to make sure that they're, they're in sync with, with, with Hashem's will. Um, I'd like to offer uh, another level in, uh, to these two words, Vahaya Ekev, um, that sort of came to me over Shabbos. And, um, and I'd like to offer another, another level to the word Ekev, we said so far that it means heal or insensitivity. I'd like to also suggest that it, that, it, that it means sadness. That it means when you're down in the dumps. Because when you're really low, I mean, what's lower than your heel? 
You can't get much lower than your heel. So, so, so I'd like to suggest that the parsha on the level of remez is, is 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 hinting at a way that we can uplift ourselves and and get ourselves out of a place of sadness. Remember, we said vahayim is this word of joy, and akev is all the way down when you're all the way on the bottom. So how do you how do you lift yourself up? So, so interestingly. If you take the letter Yud from Vahaya and you put it on Ekev, it spells out Hove Yaakov. So I'd like to explain it means which means now Hove means present tense. You have past tense, present tense, future tense. Hove means present tense. So present tense Yaakov. Okay, like now Yaakov. So there's this transformation. From Akev, meaning you're down in the dumps, you're sad, right? You're in a very, very low place, and you can transform it so that it becomes Hove Yaakov. Now it's on the level of Yaakov. Okay, so, so how do you do it? How do you make that transformation? So now let's look at the dynamics of this, this letter exchange, and we'll see some strategies. And, um, and, and uh, you know... I heard in the name of one of the Rebbe's something, uh, something very true, which is that a person only becomes sad if they forget who they are and where they're standing. If a person understands their greatness, and we're going to go into this in a moment, if a person understands their greatness and the fact that they're standing before the Infinite One at all times, they can't be sad. They can't be sad. So where do you see this in this Pasuk? So, Ekev means the heel. So, you know, most people, you look at each other, you look at yourself, whatever it is, most people feel as though they end at the top of their heads. That that's, you know, I go from my head to my toe, that's me. Okay, and yet, what's the reality? The reality is that there are five levels to the soul. There's the Nefesh, the Ruach, and the Neshama. That's three parts and they exist inside of you. And then you have the Chay and the Yechida. These are two other aspects of your same soul which exist outside of you and which extend all the way, all the way, all the way up to the Kisei HaKavit to the top of heaven. Which means, practically speaking, we're all giants. We're all giants. In fact, I heard an incredible comment um, it was a, a footnote in an edition of the Nefesh HaChayim, which says that the, the body is the shoe of the soul. The body is the shoe of the soul. So what does that mean? That just like your shoe covers a very small part of your body, your body actually covers a very small part of your soul. Because your soul extends all the way up to the top of heaven. So now... It doesn't just mean that you're tall. <laughs> it means more than that. It means that if your soul starts at the, all the way at the top, from the throne of glory, and comes all the way down to your body, that means the entire universe, the entire cosmos, are straddled by your soul. Which means, practically speaking, that any good deed that you do, any mitzvah that you do, literally shakes the entire universe. 
That means if you're alone in your house and you say a prayer, or you give, you know, you put a coin in a pushka in your own house, no one sees it. No one knows about it. No one's going to know about it. It shakes the entire cosmos. Because your soul encompasses the entire universe. This is an awesome thing. So in order to have that recognition, you know, the Yud, the letter Yud, what do we say? You take the letter Yud from Baha'iya, you attach it to Ekev, Ekev is the heel, and all of a sudden with that Yud in front now, Ekev gets transformed to Yaakov. Now, the Chachamim teach that there are certain images carved on the throne of glory. One of them is man. And the representation of man on the throne of glory is Yaakov. So all of a sudden, with this letter Yud, with this broader perspective, with this knowledge of who you are, and before whom you stand, by adding this Yud, this Yud from the Yud Kevavke, this top point of light, by adding it to Akev, you're able to lift yourself up, transform yourself into Yaakov, and to broaden your perspective. Because sadness comes from a limitation of perspective. When someone is narrowly focused on just what a few set of circumstances in their own life, what happens is they increasingly define themselves. Who am I? I am these three things that I think about all the time, that I'm struggling with all the time. That must be me. You know what that's called? Tragic math. That's tragic math. Because a person gets into a slippery slope and they unwittingly begin to first identify themselves with their own hardships and then define themselves by their own hardships and then as a result become imprisoned by their own hardships. And what's the key? What's the antidote? It's this letter Yud. It's this letter Yud. Attaching it to Akiv. When you're at the heel, when you're at the bottom, when you're, when you're down in the dumps, when you add that letter Yud, and you transform Akiv into Yaakov, and you realize that you extend all the way up to the top of heaven, and you're standing before God at all times, and you're way more than what's going wrong in your life. You're way more than that. Now, I said that it comes, this letter Yud, remember the Parsha begins, Vahaya Ekev, this letter Yud comes from the word Vahaya. And as we mentioned, Vahaya is Lashen Simcha. It's, uh, the Gomorrah says that it's, it, it's, it's coming from this place of happiness. So if you want to know, where do I get this letter Yud from? Where, where, does this, where can this rocket fuel be attained from? So it comes from Simcha. It comes from joy. It doesn't come from drugs. It doesn't come from shopping. It doesn't come from anything outside of yourself. It comes from Simcha. It comes from Simcha. And you know something? Sometimes, you know, there's a, there's a phrase that's sort of taken root in the vernacular, but it's a Torah concept. They call it act as if. Act as if. So sometimes when you can't, you're not in that place. So, so where am I going to get the, where am I going to, where am I going to get the good from? Where am I going to get the, 
The Vahaya from. That's the uranium. Where am I going to get it from, you know? So, Rabbi Nachman talks about just screaming out, Ah! You're able to break the klipos. You just scream out. You jump up. You clap your hands. You come to a place where you just rouse yourself out of this thing. You smile. They've shown how smiling releases like, you know, whatever, the, the happiness chemicals in your brain. You can trick your brain into being happy just by smiling. <laughs> and then you remember, oh yeah, okay. And then you got a little bit of the yud back. And then you can build on it. Because, okay, yeah, now I remember, I'm back in that frame of mind. Okay, I can build on it. You dance. What am I doing? What am I doing? I'm jumping, I'm dabbing, clapping. What? Yes! <laughs> and it works. It works and it's real. Because the other stuff, if you, do it, if you do it in a way that's not real, if you do it through a way through intoxicants, it doesn't last. And when it goes away, you're further down than you were before. You've dug yourself further into a hole. It's not... It's not real. It's not real. So now, I want to go a little bit deeper into this notion. We talked about Bahaya Akev and how you can take the Yud from Bahaya, put it on Akev, and go from the bottom to the top, from the heel to Yaakov. Okay. Now let's look at the transformation of the next word, this, this fixing. The first word becomes Hove, Hevav He. Hove means now, in the present tense. So, I heard in the name of the Jikavar Rebbe that, that, that when a Malik attacks, and remember a Malik is that, it's not just a, a nation which is the enemy of God, the enemy of the Jewish people, our, our counterbalance, that which seeks to destroy us. It's also an ideology. So, so, and part of that ideology is depression and sadness. And, and it tries to attack us with this. It tries to tell us that we're all alone. And we're not all alone. We share one soul. We're one family. All of us together. All of us together. We're never alone. We're never alone. You can be by yourself, but you're not alone. So a Malik comes to us and tries to tell us we're alone. And he tries to attack us with sadness. And uproot, most critically, our present connection, our, 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 our attachment to Hashem in the present tense. Hove, remember, means the present tense. And the Jikava Rebbe gives an amazing, amazing example of this. But like I say, I don't want to get lost in the pyrotechnics of it. I want to get into the message itself, but, but I want to go over his teaching as well. It says in the Torah, it's a famous Pasuk, talks about while a Malik is still extant, while it's still a force to be reckoned with in this world, that the name of Hashem will not be complete in this world. And the Pasuk talks about the throne of God. But the throne of God is spelled in a, 
in a, what they call a, a defective form, meaning to say the word throne is not completely spelled out. It's missing the last letter, Aleph. And the name of Hashem is not completely spelled out. It's missing the last two letters, Vav and He. So Rashi famously comments that the throne of God will not be complete as long as Amalek is here. Okay, so what does that mean? So the Jikhar Rebbe gives a very interesting explanation. He says, you know, isn't it interesting the letters Vav and He are missing from Hashem's name? So he says, you know what? Let's look at these words, past, present, and future. He says, with the letters that are there, the Yud and the He, with the letters that are there of Hashem's name in the Pasuk, while Amalek is still here, you can spell past. Um, which is the word Haya, Heyud Hey. That means past. You can spell future, Yiye, with just the letters Yud and He. But the present tense you can't spell without one of the letters that's missing while Amalek is still here, the letter Vav. Remember, Vav always means a connection. And I wanted to say, I mentioned it to the Hebrew yesterday, I had the, the privilege of saying this toward to Reb Shlomo, and he said he, he liked it, which was, uh, which was that Moshe's staff was a Vav, I wanted to say. This letter of connection. This letter of connection. That while Amalek is here, you can't spell out that middle word, Hove, which means right now. So the Jikavar Rebbe says like this, what does it mean you, you can know the past and the future? Or rather, God, you can spell out the past and the future, but not the present. You can spell out the past. You can say, you know what? There's a world that came from somewhere. So, okay, so let's say God created it. Fine. And there's a future. I understand Mashiach is coming at some point. The world is here for a purpose. It's driving toward some sort of completion. Okay, so God will be here in the future. But right now, right now I don't feel it. This, was, this is what he's saying. Amalek, Amalek does. It uproots your attachment to God in the present tense. So let's look more deeply into that. You see, to understand, okay, God created the world and Mashiach is going to come, these are important thoughts, necessary thoughts, good thoughts, but it's on the realm of intellectualization. The mind and the heart doesn't come together unless there's an acknowledgement of the here and now. If you don't experience that there is a God in the world guiding you right now, guiding the world right now, there is no connection binding the heart and the mind. It's all just head stuff. That love, that connection between the heart and the mind, that's what's necessary to understand and to make everything real. So... So when, you're, when you have this word Baha'iya, when you can be in a place of joy, when you can be in a place of expanded consciousness, you can lift yourself up. And you can also experience that God is in the here and the now. And this idea of Amalek attacking, 
It's not just coming out of nowhere. This discussion, this transformation of Hove Yaakov from Vahaya Ekev. The word Ekev means the heel. There's another level to this. It says in Parsha's Breshis, something really interesting. Chapter 3, verse 15. It says, it says he, when Hashem is cursing the snake, because the roots of Amalek come from the snake. That's the energy of Amalek, the snake in the Garden of Eden. Hashem curses the snake, and He says that He will attack you at your heel. Your heel, again, emotionally speaking, is your lowest point. When you reach your state of lowness, that's when Amalek comes and attacks you. And it uses the same word, the same letters. I and Kovez, Akev. It's vowelized differently. But it's Akev. It means heal. It's, it's the same word. So, so here you have Bahaya Akev. You have the presence, the presence, the constant threat, the constant threat of a Malik. The constant, the constant whispering in your ear, the hissing in your ear, if you really want to make it snake-like, that you're alone, and that God's not present. But by transforming yourself through Simcha, by turning Ekev into Yaakov, by realizing the extent of who you are, all of a sudden the word Hove shows up. You neutralize the power of Amalek. The word Hove shows up. And you realize that God is also now. And you know something? It has to be right now. It has to be right now, you know? I heard actually from Rabbi Aaron, who heard from Reb Shlomo. He said, do you know why Hashem gave us the mitzvah of tzitzis? He says, so that you'll always have something to hold on to. Um... You know, there's certain ideas that I come back to again and again and again and again. And um, one of them, one of them is that, is the fight, and I think this is really one of the things that, that separates people who are able to make a breakthrough and people who kind of remain, spiritually speaking, on the outside their whole lives. And of course, even within our own individual lives, we go back and forth. But what is this boundary? What is this border that makes all the difference in a person, how a person experiences their life? And that border is, are you experiencing Hashem on this level of Hove in the now? That He's present right now, in the present tense. You know, one of the most powerful Torahs that I ever heard um, from Reb Shlomo. He said, he was sort of putting it in a light way. He says, you know, there are retail sins and wholesale sins. Okay, meaning to say, you know, some sins are bigger than other sins, right? So he says, what's an example of a wholesale sin? So this is like something really big, okay? So now listen to this. He says, imagine someone is at the Kotel, Right, the holy wall in Yerushalayim. 
and they're davening and they're davening and they're connecting with Hashem in this exalted way, right? And you might ask yourself a question, wait a second, <laughs> this is a wholesale sin, how is this going to go wrong? So far it's sounding very good, right? I mean, you're in Yerushalayim, you're at the Kotel, you're davening fantastically, like, okay? So, so far so good. Then a person finishes their davening and says, okay, now back to real life. This is a wholesale sin. This is a suggestion that, okay, even if it's not on a conscious, thought-out level, this is a suggestion that, okay, Hashem exists for us at the Kotel, or when I'm in shul davening, or when I'm having an expanded moment of consciousness, but when I, you know, when I'm buying band-aids at lungs, <laughs> you know, let's get real. Like, it's, you know. So, is, is God any less there at that moment? At all of those moments? You know, one thing that I've noticed, and I, I've noticed it in myself also, um, different inclinations, spiritually speaking, in people, one inclination is that, uh, and this might be actually the majority inclination, actually, uh, is when things are going well, then that's, you know, because I'm smart or I'm whatever, right? A person gives himself credit. And when things are going bad, God, why are you doing this to me? Some people do it the opposite way, by the way, which is uh, kind of a flaw in more spiritual people, which is that when things are going well, the first one they think is God. But when things aren't going well, they can't imagine that God is involved in that. It's also God trying to send a message. I don't know what the message is exactly. A person has to try to figure it out. It's, bless you, it's, it can be very complicated and mysterious. But that's also from God. So, so, God has chosen to interrelate to us, interrelate with us. In the majority of times, in the language of the mundane, it's quite interesting if you think about it. Because to give a very sort of superficial analogy, imagine I'm Einstein and 98% of the time of what I do is teach arithmetic to small children. You would think, well, you know what? You should be filling blackboards with equations that no one can understand. And by the way, a lot of our relationship with God is going to be on that level. Because this world is like that, you know? It's like the blink of the eye compared to the fact that our soul is eternal and we live forever. And then we've got this thoroughly expanded, you know, other dimensional experience of God, one moment of which is greater than all of the pleasures of our current life completely combined. One moment of the next world is greater than all of that. So, 
So we're going to get to interrelate with God on that incredible, you know, level. But in this world, during our lifetime, God chooses to, okay, there's a red light. All the cars are passing in front of you. Wait for the green. Okay, now the cars have stopped. Now you can cross the street. Can't, you like that flat screen TV? Can't just walk out of the store with it. <laughs> Got to use money. Where are you going to get the money from? Got to get a job. Where am I going to get a job? Look in the newspaper. Now I got to show up. Can't just show up in your underwear. <laughs> Need to get some clothes. I mean, it's so mundane. It's so mundane. Why? God is so infinite. And yet he chooses consciously. This is not an accident. This is not a flaw in the system. He chooses to relate to us and to command us to use this language of the mundane and to invest it with His presence. And then it can become transformed. And then, and then a person can have their mind blown by, oh my goodness, there's such a thing as electricity? And there are red lights and green lights and there's red and there's green and there are cars and there's motion and then there's stopping and there are lines across the street and I'm going to walk through these lines? Okay. But a person first has to, first has to master the basics and understand that God really chooses to conduct our life for the most part in a very, very normal way. And this is the vessel building process. This is getting back to the Rashi, the Vahaya Ekev, that if a person can get themselves to the level where they're not trampling on the mitzvahs that seem small to them, they can understand that God is right now in the present. And even our generation, which has this spiritual insensitivity built into it, if we can be sensitive to God's presence, and if we can understand that God fills every single moment, even when it's just standing online at Starbucks or whatever it is, and to be open to that, we can build ourselves into vessels to be able to hold this light so that when we reach the Akev, the end, the end of days, that we can transition, that we can transition into that next era, like one person leaving one room and entering into the other room. And we can do it the easy way, not the hard way. Have a good week.